Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. You're listening to 90.3 WRST FM Oshkosh. This is Script to Screen, and I'm your host, Max. And joining me here in the booth is Gideon. And, oh. To, and oh, today yeah. we have... <laughs> it's all good. And today we have a very special guest here with us, a fellow who's been on the show one other time, and it was a great show, Max Landis, the writer of the Kryptonian Epic, as well as the acclaimed DC... <laughs> And acclaimed DC comic series American Alien. It's great to have you on, Max. How are you? I think I think that's the first time someone has referenced the Kryptonian epic first as, <laughs> as among my credits. I'm I'm flattered. Well, I mean, it's a big achievement, and uh, I, for one, you know, being one of your kind of regular fans, love listening to your videos about that. And uh, I just had a friend actually. I, I got him to finally listen, and he said he listened to your stuff for like seven hours straight while he was at work, because <laughs> he's a huge DC guy, and uh, Kryptonian oh, yeah. Epic is... I, I think anyone who, not to interrupt, I think anyone who really loves DC Comics uh, will enjoy the, the pitch element of it, but what, what's so fascinating is that is that all these pitches are just a prelude to something that that is essentially an animated feature film about Superman that I'm going to put on my... YouTube channel not monetized for free this summer. So it's really, I'm so flattered that you've just been enjoying the me talking part of it, but the, the big, the big guns are still coming. I know. And I'm, I'm excited. I know you have uh, like musical numbers in it and I, we've heard a bit of the like Lex Luthor song and I'm really hyped to hear that full thing. Cause for some reason, like today, that I, was, be... today I was working on the uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2 Ninja Rap style here come the men in black style rap about superman that is uh is pretty fun that sounds different <laughs> yeah i I'm, I'm real i'm real hyped for that and by the way speaking of teenage mutant ninja turtles 2 loved that pitch as well i really wish that would have been the sequel because the one that they put out i didn't like as much as your pitch <laughs> the fellow who directed the sequel uh quality notwithstanding uh the fellow who directed the sequel is a very wonderful guy and a very talented director named dave greed who originally asked me to do the pitch and, you know, they wanted their studio guys. So that, 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 what was interesting about that pitch is that that's actually something I pitched as a real movie and, and almost went forward with the director, but no such luck. Yeah. But today uh, we are also going to be talking about a DC movie that uh, just came out and uh, funny enough, I mean, it kind of worked out. You did your uh, video on YouTube with Wonder Woman, what was that a day or two ago? And now we're going to be yeah. talking about Wonder Woman 84 here. So, I mean, it's kind of almost like we can maybe do like a little compare and contrast a little bit and stuff like that. But uh, just to summarize the film here, uh, Wonder Woman 84 is the uh, sequel film to the 2016 Wonder Woman movie that was much loved by the by the fan base and seems to be like probably the most successful late uh, DC movie. I mean, out of their like I think current, it's probably my favorite of uh, so far in the DCEU. Yeah, and yeah, I I, I would agree, and I think most fans agree. Uh, how did you feel about the first Wonder Woman, Max? Uh, I would join you in exactly the same opinion. I thought it was the best of the new crop of DC movies. I thought it was the only one that kind of felt like a real movie to me. I thought there were really, I thought there was just really interesting stuff. Specifically, when Diana and Steve Trevor were alone, I thought Gal Gadot yeah. and Chris Pine like really did interesting, good work as actors. They felt like scenes from a real movie, and you rarely get that in DC movies. And honestly, you rarely get that in Marvel movies. Yeah, 
I agree. I mean, you look at like something possibly like Batman v Superman. A lot of that's like the iconography um, that's interesting in that movie. Whereas Wonder Woman, it's like the 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 character interactions more so. One hundred percent. Max, do you want to get into kind of like the 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 plot of Wonder Woman eighty four? Kind of summarize for the viewers here what happened uh, during this film. Okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna do the quickest version possible. That's totally fine. So. Okay, here we go. Uh, the quickest version of Wonder Woman 1984. We open on the Amazon island where we see Diana participate as a child in a kind of Olympic game against adults. And she learns a valuable lesson about honesty and doing things the right way. Uh, and then we move rapidly into the, into the 80s where Diana is now powerful and rich and beloved. And... Uh, Diana encounters uh, a magical thing uh, used by a man named Maxwell Lord to grant wishes, and she wishes that Steve Trevor comes back. However, he takes over the body of a random guy, and he, so he's not really back. And then it also turns out that a lot of these wishes Maxwell Lord is granting kind of have like a backfiry, scary effect. And he tries to get the whole world to make wishes, and this one woman, Barbara, makes a wish, and she turns into a monster, even though it doesn't fully makes sense why that happened, and then Wonder Woman fights her kind of a little, and then Wonder Woman realizes that wanting things in life is actually bad, and uh, the, all the wishes are given up by everyone in the world, and uh, evil is defeated. Yeah, I, you know, somebody, I was watching, like, a, a review of the film um, elsewhere, and somebody was, like, pointing out that it kind of didn't make sense, like, how Barbara's wish was, like, reset, like, because she wasn't in the room and she wouldn't have been like getting the broadcast sent to her or something like that. And I thought that was kind of just like a little funny uh, thing that seemed to happen. But yeah, I I thought it was still pretty good. I didn't like how in the very beginning when she was in the like the mall and that whole opening scene, I, that one was the only part of this film that I kind of felt was a little too campy. Like it didn't really match the tone of the rest of the film. And it seemed like they were trying to do like obviously doing a callback to like the classic Wonder Woman TV show. But it just seemed a little out of place in like the, you know, the Zack Schneider's DC universe. It's it, it, that whole sequence is, is kind of bizarre because it feels like a sequence from a different movie that I might've liked better. Um, <laughs> I, I really like the sort of the, the campiness of wonder woman, you know, wonder woman started out as a bombshell, you know, she was always tied up. It was like cheesecake art. You know, she wasn't a, a female <laughs> empowering figure. That didn't happen until, you know, the 60s and 70s when they sort of revamped her. And even then, they weren't fully sure on what her powers were, what her deal was. Wonder Woman's never really had a consistent brand, you know? Is, is she a badass or is she kind and noble? Is she tough and mean? Is she cool, smart genius who flies an invisible jet? It just felt like this movie was the culmination of no one really knowing who Wonder Woman is. I felt we felt like a bunch of different movies merged into one. Yeah, yeah. We I think we can both agree to that. I, I mean, for sure, I felt like there were just definitely two different two different ones. I I liked it after that after that mall scene. Once it, I think they should have just started like with her working in the Smithsonian. That was how I kind of felt about it. But yeah, I think the the beginning does have the point of of her of young diana learning the lesson um oh. that she learns there but yeah. so it's it's thematically uh setting up kind of what's going after that 
but in terms of pacing um that scene and then also the mall scene after that just kind of drag it down but the weird thing about it is that even after those first two scenes i feel like it's still a pretty slow it, like it feels like a hangout movie in a lot of ways um just with the way diana's kind of hanging out with barbara and learning getting to learn her know about her and then hanging out with uh fake steve trevor and getting to know about him and like all of that stuff is is less plot oriented and more character interaction but i feel like uh just overall the the movie does not it, again it's the two it's the several different movies put all into one that that make it feel that way i think i also i wasn't clear it it even felt like there were multiple versions of the characters like barbara minerva yeah. where she starts and where she ends up don't feel that organically connected it reminded me a lot of uh of jamie fox as electro in amazing spider-man 2 yeah yeah, I, I, I get what you're saying. Yeah, he definitely... I, I honestly, I, I feel like I, Jamie Foxx as Electro in Amazing Spider-Man 2 is a more natural progression than Barbara Minerva here. Like, I, really? I genuinely empathize with his character. Wow. I don't know why. I feel like I, I like that movie more than, like, 100% of the people on the planet. And that's it's a, because that's, of Electro. That's a good comparison, though. I like but, I like yeah, the idea of that. Because you're right, that is kind of like this nerdy person who really does their job well, and then they're not treated well by all their co-workers. And then... <laughs> through a series of ridiculous circumstances, get their superpowers. and But I feel like at least Barbara was able to, like, make some friends. Uh, poor poor Max, uh, the, 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 like, technician, you know, is just sitting there in his house eating his sad birthday cake. and <laughs> It's like, I feel like what's so hilarious about that is, like, they just make him such a sad sap, oh, like, over the top. And then all of a sudden on a dime, you know, yeah, then he's, like, the bad guy the who's this, who's this, you know, this dubstep on the electric wires. <laughs> yeah. Hey, don't, no, don't. Doesn't, doesn't he get bitten by electric eels yes. or yeah. something like yes, that? Yes, he does. He does. <laughs> he falls into his own, like, designed tank because there was, like, a spark or something that kind of, like, made him unbalanced because he was on like, like people there too that like just ignore him no no there's just like a peep a few people who are like hey we know it's your birthday we don't care go fix this thing yeah everybody else is going to the bars early or something tonight except you because i don't know why like they they never I, I mean that he's not like this dominant personality i guess because he's kind of a passive guy that all of a sudden everybody well, feels that, like you know that that character that type of character is part of a tradition of characters for superhero movies and superhero movies, you know, the, the, and superheroes in general, the sort of jilted normal person who exists uh, alongside the superhero, but isn't one of God's chosen ones. So they didn't get powers. So them trying to take powers is always viewed as like, Oh, it's so horrible that they're doing this. So you have, you have characters like that existing. And I wanted to use that because I wanted to ask you guys, where do you think Wonder Woman 1984 fits into the pantheon of superhero sequels? Because it sort of has the Batman Returns setup of two villains. One of them is a physical threat. He's a cat. One of them is... <laughs> well, that's you know, the big comparison is, is Barbara Minerva and, and Selena Kyle from that movie. I mean... Exactly. That's another jilted by a superhero storyline. You can really follow it. This type of cliche trope storyline i shouldn't say cliche but trope shows up a lot yes you're absolutely right thematically but not just that but also visually she matches it uh like she starts out as this nerdy messy haired blonde girl who's you know working for some bigger company and you know kind of 
falls into some bad issues with that. But then also then as she gets more confident, she becomes like more uh, like quote unquote, like visually appealing. She a becomes hot, a hot, goth, a hot, skinny goth girl. Yeah. Becomes and, a and cat then villain. Finally, <laughs> in the third act, she's a monster with hair all over the place. <laughs> and, wow. I didn't realize how accurate that was. Yeah. Yeah. She becomes a cat villain <laughs> by the end of it. It's just, I just, I, I mean, it's, I think it is really funny. Um, that that and I, I remember like all these memes on Twitter that was like the thing everybody was comparing Barbara Minerva to Selena Kyle in that film like because that and not just that one either there's like a whole bunch of movies and I can't remember the other ones that have like some nerdy blonde girl who starts out with like messy hair and doesn't have a, a style yet and then throughout the movie as she becomes more evil or um or confident in herself then fixes all that and there were like four or five different ones like i saw pictures you know when you have in twitter with like the four pictures all together it was like that and <laughs> confidence it's interesting confidence in this movie is one of the big themes confidence and self-assurance because maxwell lord is sort of a, a yeah. he's a mix of a couple of different types of characters he's sort of a fast-talking con man and he's sort of a tycoon, and you kind of feel bad for him. But really, his confidence is what sells him. Yeah, and, and his relationship with his son, Barbara too. Barbara Minerva wants. Uh, I, it's hard to say if it's, if it's, like, the same as Barbara Minerva. Because I feel like they're two different things. Like, with, with why they're kind of down in the dumps at the beginning. With Maxwell, it's like he's unlucky. With her, she's like... I. You know, it sounds awful to say this, but she's like, quote unquote, like undesirable, I guess, to be undesirable as a friend, undesirable as a romantic partner and feels like she's just not making a dent in in her career that she's already in. Whereas he like has a facade and he wants to make and he already he already has like this fake confidence that he's able to project like through um, his videos, like his t telemarketing videos that you see, like, everybody has this idea of him, and they already respect him, and only the people who really know him personally don't respect him. Hence, yeah, it's, it's, it's about how you're seen. I mean, yeah, <laughs> we well, can even talk about more, even more of, a, like, a literal perception of that, like, with Steve Trevor's situation, too. <laughs> of course. Because, I mean, and I, I gotta ask, like, what do you think happened to this guy that, because Steve <laughs> Trevor, like, possesses this dude's yeah. body for a while, what happens to that I mean, guy? Is do, he? What do you? What do you think happened to this guy? Well, we all know what happened to this guy. I think. I mean, I think it was Kevin Smith who said like he might have gone like into the sunken place. You know, like he's sitting. Yeah. He's like no, sitting no, there. No. We all know what happened to this guy. Wonder Woman raped him. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> that, well, I was literally just that, about to say that. It's that is that the is the most plot uncomfortable point part of the movie. Of the movie. Yeah. They don't say it out loud, but that's what happened. I was very like it's the most part of the movie where you're like, that is very not okay. And then and then and he comes just, back later okay and he no sees her and he doesn't either. seem to remember anything though. So like was he even like in his mind? Was he even like there well, witnessing any of it or experiencing thing... any of it? Or was it just kind of like when you sleep and you close your eyes and you wake up and like no dream whatsoever? Like I feel like that might have been a situation too. Well that's the thing about I it, the feel whole... bad. It's been a while since I've seen this movie. Did Steve Trevor say he remembered where he'd been? No, he, he was like, I remember going up in the plane, and then all of a sudden I woke up here in this apartment. It was like... So canon, canon, in the Zack Snyder DC universe, canon, there is no afterlife. 
At least not one he can remember. I mean, DC has a lot of different versions. It would be so funny if Steve Trevor was in hell. Oh. And pulled him out of hell and then sent him back to hell. Yeah, like, wait, wait. Yeah, like, as Diana's about to run off after she's, like, you know, rejecting her wish. Like, Diana, wait, don't send me back. You know, I have to, I go to hell when I'm down there, man. I was I was in wars. I killed people. Don't, like, they don't like that up there. <laughs> but, or what if, what if he was in, like, what if, because Diana's in Amazon, what if he was, like, in, like, Greek? He was in Haiti. Oh, yeah, and there's like a well of souls, and you go on a boat across the uh, uh, yeah, River Sticks, like he's in that. And yeah. See, how do I see this movie instead of the movie I saw? I'll be <laughs> honest with you guys, I, I, it's, I hate to say it, and I know I'm the only one who feels like this, but I didn't like this movie. Oh, I feel like there's a lot of people who agree with you on that, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, of course, everybody hated it, I, yeah. I mean, I didn't mind us, it, I you mean, out of us three. I mean, I didn't mind it. I, I have a weird palette when it comes to DC movies, Max. I like uh, the the um, Suicide Squad films, both the Harley Quinn one and just the regular Suicide Squad. I, I actually like really like it. I'm sorry, Suicide I got to get off the phone. Oh, you're... I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Oh, okay. Oh, I was thinking for some reason there for a second, I thought something was coming up and like you had to go. I was like, oh, God, we haven't even gotten to the scores yet. But no, I, I, I got I got I got triggered when I got triggered when you brought up Suicide Squad. I'm sorry, man. I I don't know. I just enjoyed them. I I thought they were fun. I loved the Floyd Lawton stuff. Yeah, uh, I don't like either of those movies. <laughs> Gideon doesn't. He's got a more you know. I don't know. I'd say you. Gideon, what's what's your favorite? But we can all agree that Wonder Woman is our favorite DC. Yeah, of the modern of the ones, DC yes. Extended universe, yes. Yeah, I would agree. What, what's your favorite DC of all time? I mean, I'm going to be the basic one and say The Dark Knight, but... <laughs> Watchmen. Like, yeah, I, I don't... I like the Watchmen TV series a thousand percent more than the, the Snyder film. I, um, I liked the Watchmen TV series right up till the last episode, and then I... No, thank you. Blasphemy, yeah, sir. I, well, there's there's <laughs> some of the bits of the last... I do agree the last episode is is has some weak parts in just the way the the ending plays out with the stuff happening from this guy all that stuff just kind of feels shaky logic wise but um the very very end of the last episode um i think is kind of brilliant but see now for me yeah, i mean it's cool that that happened but okay spoilers for the next five seconds for <laughs> yeah. watchman warning i the, the, the issue is if you have dr manhattan walk out there and blow up all those guys and her shoot all those guys and Dr. Manhattan knows this one guy is going to get him. How does it work that that guy gets him? It forces a question about the nature of how Dr. Manhattan perceives time that, that the Watchman has completely avoided. Because we have seen in Watchmen, Dr. Manhattan be leveraged into situations where he is taken by surprise, fooled, tricked, lied to, used as a weapon sabotage this guy can't see the future and if he can't see the future but he can't but he does know he's going to get got by that guy and he's looking right at that guy and he just blew up all the other guys why does he let that guy shoot him with the big gun i'm sorry this has been bothering me for four months no 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 yeah. no here's the thing i because manhattan's weakness is his indifference to everything that's his that's his thing. He he doesn't care if the world's destroyed. He doesn't he doesn't like the little things to him the 
the little things are big things like atoms and focusing on like the, the, the balance of the universe. But like the little things are like human lives. And this show kind of shows that he does care about somebody eventually, but he, he realizes that he's not, he's not going to fight it. He's not going to, he doesn't, he, he's indifferent about trying to fight fate essentially. And he doesn't want to try to swim upstream. He just wants to sit there in a, in an inner tube and just go and go with the flow. Like that's, that but seems. Why doesn't to... he do it? Why doesn't he do it on his terms? If he cares about her, they have that wonderful sequence. Like literally the best thing in the whole show is when she hits him in the face with the hammer in the kitchen and digs out the ring. I thought that was like genius and I didn't see it coming. If he cares about her that much, why not just blow up all the guys, blow up the gun. And if it's his fate to be put in the big machine, just go walk up to the Asian lady and say, okay, you wanted to put me in the big machine. I'll go in the big machine. I think there's a, there's a deeper issue here Whenever you give any character godlike powers at to the extent that yeah. Dr. Manhattan has, I mean, you could always pose that question at literally any point in his life. Yeah. I mean, like... Well, I think that's why the this the episode, um, A God Walks Into a Bar, um, where it's great title, specifically... Great Yeah, it is a great title. Uh, where it's specifically... <laughs> great, great episode. The beginning yeah. living in America. <laughs> well, right. Well, and honestly, the other thing about the titles in that series is how they use the titles to be kind of similar to the way that the chapter titles work in the Watchmen graphic novel. Whatever. But the, the, the thing that I like so much about that episode is that it's it's, it's uh, playing with the idea of time and the way Dr. Manhattan perceives time. Similarly to that one chapter in, in Watchmen, I think it's like the third chapter where it's jumping around through time and it's doing the same thing. But... Um, in that episode, that's where we get the fun of that. Whereas after that episode is where you have to mess, where you have to reconcile for the logic of that type of thing. Um, so I'm not going to try to defend it because it is it is difficult, and I, I don't really I haven't seen the show in, in long enough to, to be able to. But I mean, that, it is one of the things that it's, it's, as I understood it, he experiences everything at the same time. Yes, and that makes it hard for him to predict what's going to happen, and it's, that's why at the end of Watchmen. He fails at stopping Ozymandias yeah. and gets blown up and then is okay from that, but then but then comes in through the ceiling yeah. and basically Ozymandias is about to get killed and he goes, Hey, and just talks John out of doing it and talks John into killing Roshak. So that doesn't seem like a guy who could get ambushed and shot with a lit. That seems like a guy who could get ambushed and shot with a laser gun, right? Did you that seems like that seems like maybe he doesn't have godlike powers. Did Except you read the, the... In the show? We know that he knows he's gonna get caught. I'm sorry, it's trying no. to work out the logic of it. No, I well, feel like the show Doctor Manhattan works different than the comic book one. I would agree. Well, the comic book one, he also doesn't have his future predicting powers because of the tachyon yeah. interference. And oh, yeah, that's, that's true. That was that why true. he can't see the future in the in the show, or I mean, in the movie, but it or or in the original book. Yeah. I, I believe right, I haven't read the original ones blinded, because of the, right? Yeah. Well, but, it makes more sense in the book because in the book it's it's the giant squid instead of the instead but it of the still atom bomb. Sends out some yeah, sort know, of energy, the, right? The, the squid ha is like they interject the squid with like a inner integral whatever the I don't know what the word is, but it's what causes the interference. Okay. I think it just makes more so, sense. So it's, so it sends out some sort of energy from aliens, not from a giant bomb, which I think is stupid. But but actually, by the way, I just got to say, thank God, Watchmen, the TV show, did the giant squid. Yeah. Like when I saw that, I was cheering. I was literally yeah, cheering. I, I, that whole sequence, I screamed. Looking Glass was my absolute favorite character from that TV show because he's such a. 
such a unique character and like going into like this PTSD of like all these people who have been duped and you know like and his his background as like this he's not a like a Jehovah's Witness but he's like some like he's a Mormon. Yeah, oh, he's a Mormon? Is that what it was? I thought he was a Mormon. Okay, well, he's something like that. He's like, a you know, a Christian religious guy, you know, going around handing out pamphlets kind of thing. But he's like a young dude. He's probably like 22 when the events happen. Younger. Even younger. Yeah, so he's, yeah, so he's like really young. He kind of was obviously like raised in a family that must have been like very devout Christian. And like he's he's been in every youth group since he was five, you know. And then he goes into that and it just shatters his worldview. And I, I mean, I feel like... He, at some point he like gave up his ideals of of any sort of religious beliefs because his world just got sh- so shattered uh you know excuse the pun there uh, for for that well, but to follow that up what's his fate in the finale he like bonks Ozymandias on the head with a wrench or something it's such a nothing really happens with him well, yeah, this guy talks yeah. too much <laughs> I, I i don't know i I think that he's like the one solid dude who 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 doesn't. He's already a good person. He kind of doesn't seem like it at the beginning, but I think he's a good guy overall. He's had some issues that he probably hasn't done enough therapy for. You know, he's in like the <laughs> the group, but like, yeah, he. I think it's just that he's been the one straight arrow who, after a while, you realize you could trust him. And I love that they gave him like that one final mic drop moment. Where he's helping out, uh, 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 oh, I can't think of her name. Um, then her name start with a J. The the oh, I can't think of it. Anyways, where he helps the her main, out. The main character. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I guess, but it's been a while, man. I'm bad with names. Gideon can attest to that. I loved that she had the that that he had the white on his eyes, and she had the was it black or white on her eyes. I thought I thought the whole all the with the hood was just great. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. With hooded justice. See, now I can remember that. Yeah, oh, I thought yeah. that was a perfect reveal. Yeah. Um. It it was great, and uh, just well, because what, what, the, it's a great follow up from the original novel. Because in the novel, we don't know who he is. The it, yeah. is one, is is one of the only backstories we don't really get into at all. Yeah. So when we that's revealed in the series, I or in the TV series, I think it's just a great way to kind of follow up and and tie those together as basically uh, making it a sequel to the to the. Uh, original in 2019 in the world of 2019 yeah well we are really off track we turned this wonder woman discussion into (laughs) a watchman Watchman. but i hey but i liked your question that was a good question about what what, what we consider to be like the best dc superhero film i i i mean i have a couple questions here because my buddy who's really into dc i want to ask you this before we get into the stores because he's really into dc i go to him whenever i need knowledge um and he, I, I said to him, I'm going to be talking to you, and he loves American Alien. Like I said, he listened to like seven hours of your stuff because he's never heard you your your videos before. And I was like, dude, I've been telling him for months to listen to you. He finally did. And then I was like, okay, what what questions do you got for him that I would be able to ask? And he said, what what comics do you feel ended too soon? And what characters do you think should be? What DC characters do you think should kind of get some more spotlight on him? Like who who's underused in the DC universe? I thought the 2000s run of Nightwing with when he went to Bloodhaven, late 90s, 2000s run. He went to Bloodhaven. He became a police officer. He tried to take on his own sidekick. He was fighting Blockbuster for a really long time. I honestly felt that Nightwing series could have gone on to become 
of Batman level series and and just stop pretending that he's part of the Batman family full on get behind Nightwing as his own superhero um, I, I, think I really I thought that ended too soon and you know what, what ended too soon in terms of original comics the problem for me is never that things end too soon it's that they go on too long you know I, I really feel like sorry I, my breath ran out I really feel like Saga should have been a miniseries. I really feel like The Walking Dead should have been a miniseries. I really feel like Cross should have been a miniseries. I feel that so many, you know, Transmetropolitan, Transmetropolitan wore out its welcome to the point that it stopped being relevant. And Transmetropolitan is one of the greatest comic books of all time. Basically predicted our current world. It's almost forgotten now. And meanwhile, things like Preacher and Why the Last Man things that went on like a little bit too long, they are well remembered for sort of calling it when they did. That's why Fables, I really feel like Fables has faded because it kind of kept trying to do something new, kept trying to make itself relevant. It kind of ended. Uh, and then what was the second question? What DC characters are kind of like underused? Like if it, like who do you think should get a little more spotlight in the DC universe? I think Swamp Thing could have a really big budget movie if they gave a sh- I think I think there, there's a really wonderful movie to be made there, uh, or or even just a video game. And honestly, Killer Moth, Killer Moth is one of the best ideas for a character that I've heard. Just just in terms of a serialized character, the idea that it is specifically a Batman who can be hired by criminals during crimes by firing off a version of the bat symbol. It's basically like Harvey Keitel's character from Pulp Fiction as Batman. It's such a good idea. You could do so many different wonderful stories of him interfering with criminals at all different levels. You know, this is what I I pitched to Warner Brothers. Uh, You know, I pitched Killer Moth because I think Killer Moth is just one of those ideas that's laying on the floor. And if you pick it up pick it up and dust it off and look at it and don't just say, oh, it's Batman, but in reverse and go, it's an incredibly rich, incredibly well-trained, very sophisticated criminal who who does not commit his own crimes, but instead can be called in to be part of your Ocean's Eleven should go wrong. The idea of doing like a police chase. You know, people chasing after a Mazda Miata on the freeway, more and more cop cars, helicopters, SWAT vans, and then all of a sudden a Batwing swoops down and saves the criminals. It's epic. It's so cool. So Sorry, I, I, I didn't know. I no, I didn't know you pitched a a, a Killer Moth uh, story to to Warner Brothers. That's that's awesome. Yeah, they said no. Wow, that's, I mean, that's cool. I like learning new information about that. And I have a question then, in your version, does he have the daughter from Teen Titans? <laughs> uh, is Killer Moth's daughter on Teen Titans? Yeah, yeah, the original Teen Titans. And what's funny is he he holds the city ransom to the Teen Titans um, for and, and, and is like, to, to make sure he doesn't, like, destroy the city, uh, he makes Robin go on a prom date with her. Cause she's just Wait, like who is who is who is Killer Moth's daughter in in Teen Titans she's called Kitten and she's just like this, this is a, she's like this, this early two I've never heard of she's this, this early the, I, I don't know where the Teen Titans TV show comes in 
Um, but she's like the, you know, like early 2000s. Oh, stereo- like the TV show. This didn't happen in a comic. I, well, I don't know if she's in the comics or not. I'm not, a, I don't know. I don't read a ton of comics. Um, Man, you f***ed my head for a minute there. I don't know any of the animated shows. Well, that's okay. Well, one, Teen Titans, great show to watch. I think you would like it because it's got a really unique art style, kind of a mix of American animation and Japanese. Like it kind of feels like it's half and half between an anime and a regular show. Uh, here, but like, so yeah, it's, it's, it's great. And it introduced my whole generation of, of kids because I was born in 99. Um, I grew up with Teen Titans because I think that show went on until like 2006, 2007. I was like obsessed with it. And, um, yeah, yeah, Killer Moth's in it. And he, he comes in a few episodes here and there and he, yeah, he's got a daughter. Her name's Kitten. And she's like the stereotypical, like early 2000s blonde white chick and she's got apparently a crush on robin and she doesn't have a prom date because her father's this criminal mastermind and that word probably got around in her high school or something and so she doesn't have a date and she wants robin to ask her out and so so her father killer moth holds the whole city ransom and is like if you don't want me to Killer. Are you pitching me an entire episode of Teen Titans well, right now? No, I'm not pitching you. This is the real thing that happened. But I'm just saying, like, after that, <laughs> he, he Robin begrudgingly goes on this date with this girl that's Killer Moth's daughter. And it's, like, a very I, funny I thing. That, I left that out when I talked to, when I talked to Warner Brothers. I didn't do that part. No. And, and by the way, Starfire gets crazy jealous. <laughs> I mean, I could only imagine. Yeah. Uh, so, so, so what are you? down on Wonder Woman 1984. It sounds like you guys have mixed opinions. Yeah, that's that's how Diddy and I usually are most of the time. The last week we had some, we had one movie we agreed on. But, uh, yeah, Gideon, you want to get into our stories? What's our first category here? Let's yeah, do it. Yeah, I mean, just my overall opinion before we before we go into that. Or I suppose our first category is first first impression anyways. Yeah. Um, so first category is first impression. Um, overall, I, I saw this on my birthday, and I saw it in an empty theater that we rented out. And I had a really, really great time, even though I thought it was a really, really bad movie. Um, I think what what works the most is uh, how genuinely it plays its emotion. Um, like in a lot of, not a lot of, but or some Marvel movies, you just get a lot of uh, gen- uh, emotional moments that are undercut um, in attempts to like not try to play them as genuine because they don't, they don't have the confidence to make them genuine. Um, here, I feel like regardless of whether or not it works, Patty Jenkins is definitely going and trying to make her characters feel genuine. Um, and, and that made it really hard for me to just hate this movie outright. Um, and again, I just, I just kind of loved the hangout vibe that I, once I kind of tr- ch- uh, like clicked in with what it was trying to do, um, I was really vibing with what it was doing. Um, but it is a structural and logical message all at the same time. So my, fir- my first impression score is a 6 out of 10. Um, for me, I thought when I first watched it, I was, I, I mean, I start, I went into it. I didn't really, I thought the triathlon at the beginning was okay. I'm like, all right, maybe they should have done this in the first movie or maybe a little bit into, um, like before Batman versus Superman or somewhere. Like it didn't feel right in this film for some reason to me. Like they've already established her background. Why are we doing it again? This would be like if if one Batman movie did the Bruce Wayne in the alley thing, and then the next every, one picked every up Batman like movie does the Bruce well, Wayne. Well, I know. Thing. Well, a good yeah, a good chunk of them does, but um, it's it'd be like if in the next movie or the third one, then we do it again, but like a few minutes after that or something, and he's just like in the car eat, <laughs> drinking cocoa, you know, like with the blanket over his shoulders. Like, I mean, I know that kind of happened, but 
not to the extent that this movie did it. Like they made it like a its own yeah, whole it's, scene. It's whole, yeah, ten minutes. So so the, like for that plus the mall scene, I didn't like it. I was thinking, what am I watching here? And I remember it came out on Christmas. You had done a live stream, Max, and I I I had uh, I was listening to that live too. And your Christmas pitch was I, I believe that was the one you did. Uh, Year without Santa Claus, awesome. Uh, by the way, I want to see that for some reason now too, but, <laughs> thank you, man. um, but yeah, I, I, but then after that, after that first 15 minutes or whenever the mall scene ended, I loved the film. I thought it was really good. Kind, I mean, maybe not as good as the first one, but still like on par with the first one. So first impression for me was probably an eight. I was feeling pretty good about it. And then again, I don't know. It might've been the effect of it. It was Christmas. Got to listen to your live stream. I was having a good night. So <laughs> <laughs> But uh, how about you, Max? What? Uh, how did you feel about it first time you watched it? Um. Well, I just thought it was. Uh, it just felt with a. It, to me, it felt like a very clumsy effort to do six things, and it sort of failed at all of them. I appreciated the effort of the movie, and I liked the way a lot of it looked. I thought it. I didn't think it was boring, which is always a plus. I thought parts of it were very fun and exciting. But ultimately, there's just so much of it that feels careless and thoughtless and not really put together well. And even just big questions like, where did she get that armor? Or how, if, she, if she's been alive for this long, living in public, and she looks like she's 33 in 1984, why isn't anyone at that party in Batman versus Superman like, how have you been alive in modern social circles looking the same way for 40 years? Questions like these and how the wishing works. Like, what if you wish to not have cancer? What about all the people who didn't make selfish wishes, who would maybe wish to fix the environment or wish something nice for someone else? They all had to take back their wishes, too. Questions like this are too clumsy for me. Yeah, and and they, they make a movie feel worse. And so I got to give it, I would say, I would say a four out of ten. Okay. Well, specifically with the wishing wishing thing, just uh, it is very clumsy for sure, um, and it makes absolutely zero logical sense. But it, again, for me, the 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 emotional uh, force behind that, like the fact that it's just going for this broad worldwide crisis where everyone has to give back their wishes, it's like that makes absolutely zero logical sense. But the idea, I think, thematically of people having to give back their wishes, I think what's happening there is, I think, I think what she's trying to say, Patty Jenkins, is that. Uh, even if you were asking for something good, if it comes from a bad source, which is the the wishing rock, then it has to be given back. Just like uh, Wonder Woman's wish to have Steve Trevor back, it came back, but it was it was cursed. The the wish was her wish was and her, her intent was good, but the wish itself was cursed. So that's why you have to renounce the wish. So it's yeah. it, it, it's 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 literally clumsy. Was the wish cursed because she was shipping that guy, like because she had ruined someone's life? I, again, I, I don't. Because it was, it's, it's cursed because it wasn't real. It wasn't actually him coming back from the dead. I think. You, you, oh, okay. You don't. And the no, fact that, was that him. I'm pretty sure that was him. No, no, no. But like, he's not. He's not actually literally in his own body. He's 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 taking over somebody else's body, and that's and and I mean that whole thing. Is so just, for it to work, yeah. The the mechanics. So the way you're saying it, the mechanics needed to make the wish work for her are a bad bad system. And it's not good for that one guy. Well, the the, so, and, the source of the wishing rock is in evil, is is evil, and so you can't ask for something good from evil. It's not possible. You can't have oh. good right, food come from like, an evil tree. They don't act like Diana raping that guy was like evil. They don't, no, 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 I know, and that's the like, problem. What a quirky, 
I, that I agree. That is definitely a problem that they that there's no moral uh, state or uh, statement or, or stance on that, and there totally should be. And or, it just, it's, I don't think they realized at the time how big of a deal yeah. it was when they were writing it and filming it and whatever. Like nobody nobody was thinking the fans would be like, "What's happening with this guy?" Like they, I think they assumed everybody would just buy into it. Like Steve Travers, this guy for the time being now. And well, I think we just need a to make it. That guy. Exactly. Instead they don't need it. There's it, no reason. The thing for that. is, is they didn't make her wish curse. Like, what's the downside of having Steve back? Like, what happened with her wish? Such a weird. Well, what happened? My understanding was that you you do the wishing rock, and then it takes something away from you. You get a you get something, you lose something. And the wishing rock, right. while it's the rock, it's random. So she loses her powers. Barbara loses her morality. Um, while it's the rock. Now, I don't know what the guy who wished for a coffee lost, but I don't even know if he'd remember, like, to take back his wish because I don't think he'd remember, like, hey, I made a joking wish about a coffee. And I don't know what he lost, but when it was um, Maxwell Lord, he, since he was the rock, he had the power to choose what it was taking away. That's why he could kind of double dip, that he could get something he wanted and remove something from somebody else or something that would benefit him also. That was my understanding of how it worked. The Rock, when it was The Rock, it was random. When he had it, he had the power to choose what it was because he's a thinking being. That makes sense. But do you feel like Wonder Woman really lost her powers? Because it felt like she was still pretty powerful. I don't know. Maybe maybe she... uh, That was the curse. I feel like she was weakened. (laughs) I don't know if... I mean, she's like... I felt like she went from your Clark Kent as a grown-up to to your Clark Kent when he was like a teenager and he got hurt a little bit from that like one shotgun but didn't kill him or something like that in American oh, Alien. Oh yeah, my Clark, my Clark Kent all the way into my Clark Kent couldn't survive a nuclear weapon. I I'm I'm just saying like that that difference because he's still yeah. for the most part he became like, more like, like Captain America. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. And and that, you know, that brings up a whole other question I would love to ask you, but we uh are just going to keep moving on here. Yeah, we're basically into the next category which yeah. is story anyways. Story. Okay. Again, I, I didn't like the start of it, but I think overall I, I was okay with the story. I feel like it definitely had some issues, so it's not going to get a super high, you know, level from me. But I think I think it was all right. I think they definitely could have taken a little more time, stepped back, written it a little better. I think I'm going to give it a six. I'm going to be pretty concise with that. How do you feel, Gideon? Um, I'm going to go six also. Um, I've kind of said before, I think as far as the plot goes, this movie really doesn't know what it wants to do. And when it does know what it wants to do, it doesn't execute it super well. Um, but the emotional arcs of the characters, inclu- uh, including uh, Diana, but even, like, again, the, the emotional thing about her having to lose Steve, I buy into that. But the literal elements don't make sense. And then especially with Pedro Pascal's character, Max Lord, like, I really like the way that his, like his relation with his son. His was great. I liked him. And how he kind of has to do stuff to, at the end and how that all works together. I really like all of that. Um, so I think I'm right in the middle out of six also. And Max, how do you feel about uh, the story of this? I said everything I've got to say. I give it a four again. Okay. Yeah. I mean, getting a professional like film writer here, I mean, that just adds a whole other level to the story aspect, and I love that. And I feel like if anybody's well, going to do it, it's you. For me, for me, I find it very hard to give movies numbers, and I think movies. I don't think movies should yeah. be rated by numbers generally. I mean, I've I said think the same everyone's thing. number should be personal. And for yeah. me, this is a four. 
Okay. Yeah. All right. But I don't think I don't think it's uh, are objectively a four. That's fine. Yeah. For and sure. I mean, our numbers, our numbers. <laughs> we say the number. I I say the numbers are just a way of, of of moving the conversation along more than anything, rather than being an objective. Yeah, we can move on to the next category. Yeah. And I mean, our numbers change, and we realize like some people would prefer Rotten Tomatoes, or some people don't want to know any score, or some people, you know, like everybody's different. We just put our scores out there. I mean. I don't know if I mean other than the times when Gideon and I really agree a movie's awesome. Like not usually neither of us because when one of us loves a movie and one of us doesn't, then neither of us are getting the score that we want for that film. So it all it oh, all is I, was just, I wasn't judging you guys for scoring it. No, I was no, no. more judging myself because I always <laughs> I hate I hate to talk about other people's art in that way. Well no, and I and when I'm saying that I agree with you, I also like it always makes I, I have that conflict within myself is like the should we really be giving art numbers, but whatever. Um, next category. Next, I'm gonna stay with four. Yeah. <laughs> uh, next category is acting. I see. Now I didn't have any real issues with the acting. I don't think. I don't think anybody was like incredible, other than maybe. I mean, I think Steve did a. Or Steve Trevor was a really well done character in this, and and I liked Pedro Pascal. He, I think he was awesome. Um, but I, I don't know. I can't think of it if anybody was like really doing a bad job. I think I would give it an eight because I can't think of any anything, but I can't think of anybody right off the top of my head that was like super outstanding that left a big impression. How do you feel, Gideon? I think Gal Gadot is just perfectly cast as Wonder Woman um, and it has been since Batman v Superman. Uh, and she's probably one of the stronger parts of the movie. Again, Pedro Pascal is just kind of knocking out of the park lately um, yeah. between this and The Mandalorian. Um, and I think he's great too. Uh, uh, Ah oh, shoot! What's her name? Who plays Minerva? Uh, it's literally on the tip of my tongue. Uh, what's her name? Yes, um, hey. SNL. Uh, she was Wick. in Despicable Me also. <laughs> Kristen oh, yeah, Wiig. Yes. Kristen Wiig. Um, so she she's iffy. There's parts of her that like really work and are kind of funny, and then there's other words parts where it's just like, especially at the end when she turns into the cat, it's just like, okay, that that's not does not work at all. I liked her more and more as she went on and became more evil. I liked her more. Oh, see, I was the exact opposite. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna give this a seven. I think I think this this definitely gets by on Gal Gadot's charisma as an actress. Okay, Max, how do you feel? So I use a ten scale. I usually say five is like average. So for me, I thought m most of the performances in this movie were average. But I agree with you guys both that Gal Gadot is perfectly cast and that Pedro Pascal was really putting a lot in. I would say six. I would say above average. Okay. All right. Yeah, I like that. And uh, by the way, I got it. There's some great great memes of pedro pascal as the mandalorian in this in wonder woman and I, i'm gonna send you one later because i think you're gonna find it very funny but uh all right what's our next category here gideon look and feel this i think it did well again this is one where because like the mall scene is at the end of the mall scene and when it goes into the rest of the thing it has two different aesthetic feels to them well in between after the the opening has a different aspect ratio also yeah, so so there's a lot of a lot of variation in this, and again, I felt like the look and feel of the first in that first fifteen twenty minutes was too campy, and then after that, it was like on point and was really cool. So that's interesting how I that might lose some some points for me for that with that. But I'm gonna let my ideas kind of culminate here. What do you store it, Gideon? Um, 
Yeah, so I think the, the cinematography here is definitely trying to be like an 80s movie, um, and the special effects also. Um, like those shots of, of, of Wonder Woman, uh, where she's like flying and stuff, and the way that they use the computer graphics there just very much look like an 80s movie. Um, Hans Zimmer's score here is nothing, I think, special. I think he's done much better work elsewhere, um, even with his When he's the one doing movie. the work. Well, yeah, but even with his work on Batman v Superman, like where you've got, like I don't feel like they utilize Wonder Woman's themes super well here. And like in Batman v Superman, when that theme, that electric guitar comes in, um, when she hops out onto that island, like I, it's just really rad, and you kind of like feel the emotion of Wonder Woman coming to save the day. Um, whereas here, even when they do play Wonder Woman's theme, you just don't really feel it. It doesn't hit you as hard. Um, and I think over, yeah, so overall the score is a little bit weaker even than what we saw in the first Wonder Woman movie. Um, and cinematography wise it's pretty standard other than the fact that it is trying to imitate 80s movies and trying to be campy in a lot of ways um and i think it 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 accomplishes that um but it's again it's not doing anything special so i i my i actually do i would say five for me five or six is average and i think this is again also average so i'm gonna go with the six for this category i'm going with seven i think i didn't have too many issues uh six six i think the first one did better visually uh, first ones, I mean, even cinematography alone brings yeah. the first one up way higher than this. Actually, yeah. I'm going to bring this down to a five. Okay, you're at a five, I'm at a six. Max, how do you feel about this? Uh, I thought exactly everything you guys said is true. Um, I, 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 I'm going to say I want to make two standout points. The final fight with Cheetah is not enough. Yep, I'm bringing Mike's around to a four. I forgot enough. about that. <laughs> That scene really brings it, it down it's, a lot. It's very forgettable, yeah, it's... And, and you don't really understand why Cheetah is even really a threat. She doesn't feel that dangerous. But in the reverse of that, I thought the White House fight was wonderful. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I disagree with that. I don't oh, think it's I, great. I, I loved that White House fight. That was probably, uh, you know what, and I to, I, up until this point, I actually kind of forgot about that. That is probably the cool, I, in my opinion, like the coolest fight in the whole movie. Oh, it is. And and so I would say six. I would say slightly above average. Okay. All right. Um, yeah. See, and I, I now that you're on the White House fight, I'm definitely staying with a four because I just think, oh. yeah, that that, yeah. See, all right. Yeah, all right. It's, it's, it's it depends on whether you're arguing whether it, it accomplishes the specific aesthetic that it's going for, um, or not. And I feel like <laughs> it, it it's trying to do something and it's like almost hitting it, but the thing that it's doing is also kind of annoying. So it's kind of like weird. Keeps hitting foul balls. Yeah. Um, <laughs> let's go final category, which is effect. I don't. I, by the by the time this film had ended, I was in. I was like really into it. Like I I for some reason have a palate for like the the DC movies that people dislike because like I said, I like Suicide Squad and all that other stuff. I I enjoyed this movie. I was after that first 15, 20 minutes, I was in. I was locked in. I was enjoying it. I was having a good time. I I think the effect for this was probably a an eight. I think the only reason it's not a nine for me is because I didn't understand the climax. And this is a little bit of a, a loophole in it. Like, how did she get the whip around his uh, ankle if if she hadn't been able to do it, like, full strength at, like, a standing? Like, how was she able to do it from, like, the ground? Like, that didn't make any sense to me. So I, I was left with that question, like, going into the credits. I'm like, that just didn't work. So I, But other than that, I had a good time with it. I think eight is what I would give it. 
Um, yeah, actually, I'm gonna change my first impression to a five and this to a six. I think that more accurately represents what I'm trying, what I'm thinking here. Because overall, my experience in the theater, I had a really great time, but it's more so the uh, circumstances around that rather than the movie itself that gave me that experience. Because like thinking back on the set pieces and the comedy and the the emotional beats like it's just i it, they, they 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 hit me more than they would have otherwise because of my overall experience but again the, the, the in and of themselves they were not super effective so six is my score for final effect and and max how do you feel about this film what was the effect on you i saw it and i was like wow that wasn't very good um, <laughs> i felt dis i felt disappointed because i loved the first one so much um I thought it felt like it was trying to do too many things and not doing enough of any of them. It felt like there were too many things. Even you're talking about that ankle thing. I'd forgotten about that. But yeah, how'd that work? And like, there there were so many things in it that felt lazy in a way, in a way where it's like, how did you not notice that this was a problem during editing yeah. you know how did you not notice that that the wish thing didn't really work or that diana kidnapping this guy kind of made the whole thing weird and at the end of the day <laughs> maxwell lord and cheetah i didn't want to see them defeated so when everything played out the way it did i was just kind of like well i guess that was wonder woman 1984 so i would say five five okay yeah I mean, I definitely wanted to see Cheetah stay Cheetah. Like, I wanted her to just maintain that and be, like, maybe in... Because they hinted at, what, the, like... At the end of Justice League, didn't they have Death... Uh, De isn't that Deathstroke? Deathstroke, like, on yeah, the yacht with... Yeah, they had with... that weird thing where they were, like, we're the Injustice League. Yeah, shouldn't, shouldn't we have a league of a our league own? A league of our own. Yeah. So, so why... I mean, one, they got to put Tom Hanks in that because League of Their Own. And... <laughs> Dude, let's <laughs> let's keep Cheetah in there and let's get her into that league if that's what they're really trying to build up to. Like, you know, because that would work. Then that'd be like the Wonder Woman in for that. And then you got Deathstroke. See, here's here's the thing, though. Wouldn't Cheetah be like 80? Ooh. Well. <laughs> unless unless she's been she... a Cheetah monster this whole time. <laughs> I mean, isn't, aren't, isn't everyone featured in Wonder Woman 1984, all the supporting characters and such, are they all very old now? Yeah, I guess. I guess you're right. Like, and aren't they probably all like, hey, Diana, how come you haven't aged? Yeah, that's a good, that's a good point. You know what they got to do with Cheetah? They got to get her to Themyscira, find that uh, pool with the with the, <laughs> with the the magic oh, powers. the golden pool. Yeah, we got to do that, put her in there. You know, maybe there's a little bit of that rock magic left in there. Then she becomes Cheetah again. You know, and this as, time... long, as long as we're talking about my stuff, uh, <laughs> Barbara Minerva, Cheetah, is a character in the Kryptonian epic and becomes very important. So seeing her sort of as the second rate villain in this was very fun for me. Uh, I actually had a question because I, I have a couple of questions about your Kryptonian epic. So kite man. We're just talking fan fiction. Let's go. Well, I just, I, I mean, well, we got you on the line and I mean, if you, if you got nowhere to be As long on, as Gideon doesn't mind. Gideon, how do you feel? Dude. It's your thing. All right. Yeah, he knows I'm a big fanboy for you. So he's, he's, he's a good sport. He'll, he'll rock and roll with us here. Uh, <laughs> um, so with Kite Man, I know you said it was like Floyd Lawton. Was there ever a Kite Man before that? Like, or was it just like an alter ego kind of thing? Like, 
Uh, no, Kite, Kite Man is is the centerpiece of the Yamatoro Parade, and the Yamatoro Parade is thrown by Lex Luthor. I'm going to do a whole thing about Freeze Test Run, which is where all that happens, but Kite Man is a technology that uses this red cape thing in these wings that allows you, it's a weighted cape that's lighter than air. So when you get these wings on, if you flap, it's lighter than air. It's creating a reverse polarity. So you lift into the air like a like a kite. And oh. you can like steer around and fly around. And Lex Luthor is showing this because he has drones that use this technology instead of propellers. And then there's a guy who actually flies around. Except for that guy who they call Kite Man, who Superman flies up to and meets. And by the way, that is where he gets the red cape. Is that is the Kite Man technology? Clark oh. ends up being given it by Victor Von Fries. Okay. Again, so so I, I I misunderstood. I thought that was like Floyd Lawton in there, and he was in the suit. And he is. Oh, so he is. Okay, so there's no Charles Brown. In the Kryptonian epic? No. Oh, that's no. a bummer, man. I was hoping there'd be Ch Charles Brown in there somewhere. Oh, no, man. No, Floyd, Floyd is Kite Man, Condiment King, <gasps> Killer Moth, <laughs> Clock Man. Oh. Basically, over the years, Luther uses Floyd with all these different technologies, basically as test runs, and then ends up sort of primarily using him as Deadshot. Okay, I got to tell you something, because... I've like in my in my. Are you a kite man, Stan? I am since the Harley Quinn TV show, because um, <laughs> he was probably the best written character in that TV show, and I don't think the writers realized that until season one had fully finished. Because there was all of a sudden out of nowhere, he was like a character that everybody took to and everybody loved. Because one, he was like perfect comedic assistance for everything. He was a tragedy story. He was like this dude who's confident, but he's a total idiot. Like if you took if you took Johnny Bravo. You mixed him with uh, with Goofy, you know, from the from the Goofy movies or Mickey Mouse or whatever. You mix those two characters <laughs> together. That's what you get, and you throw him in the, as a villain in DC Universe. Like, he just, all of a sudden, everybody loved him. And he was, like, the most popular character on that whole show. And I don't think they expected him to be. They kind of threw him in as a joke early on, and then they're like, oh, everybody actually likes him. Let's write this guy in a little more. Final if, scores for the movie first. Final Richards, scores for yeah. the movie. What do we got, Didion? Um, final score for Wonder Woman 1984 is a... Oh, I lost it. Shoot, you, sorry. You take our, yeah, you take our totals. Oh, man. I, I just had it. Where'd it go? It was at the bottom. It was near the bottom. Okay, there it is. So you, Final score for Wonder Woman 1984 is a 59.3333333 repeating so you, out of 100, um, which puts it right below Zombieland 2 and right above The Crimes of Grindelwald. So 59 out of 100. deserves to be above The Crimes of Grindelwald. Deserves to be above it? Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree with you on that. Crimes of Grindelwald, Grindelwald should be much lower than it is. Right now, Crimes of Grindelwald is above Princess Bride, which really pisses me off. I See, that's the thing. <laughs> I hate Princess Bride. That's one, uh, like, and Gideon loves it. So we did it, and it ended up being, like, one of our it lowest was basically, scoring. It was basically all 10s <laughs> from me and all 0s You gave Max. it a 48. I gave it a 6. Yeah. And <laughs> so it ended up being, like, a 54. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, I'm sure that's probably shocking. I don't know if you like uh if you like that movie or not, Max, but um Yeah, that's that's how that came about with our with our show. I would describe that as one of the worst movies I've ever seen. Are you serious? Yeah. Oh my god! Dude, I wish you were here, man. I would give you a hug. Like that's insane. Yeah. 
I love that. Everybody I talk to, they're like big fans of it. My aunt's a big fan of it. Gideon's a big fan of it. You're the first sane person like, here, man. I felt like I was going to start screaming during the movie. <laughs> right? Every, I mean, it's on TV all the time. It's like one of the most syndicated movies ever. And I always skip past it. I had never seen anything of it. I knew nothing about the film. I went into it completely like fresh for that and i couldn't stand the film i thought it, i mean the only i thought the only good thing about it was andre andre the giant and he was kind of cool but like other than that i was not feeling honestly it. honestly crimes of grindelwald is worse than cats is worse than cats i really believe that that was yeah i didn't even watch cats i had a friend i had a friend who was into plays and she was telling me that even people who are into plays don't like cats like no, that cats suck yeah, like that has always sucked. The play sucks. The movie sucks. It's a thing. It's a thing that notoriously sucks. I have to go, guys. Yeah. All right, man. Well, you have a good rest of your night. Thank you so much for uh, coming on to the show again, Max. And and it's been a pleasure. I hope sometime in the future, if you ever want to do this again, hit us up. All right. No problem. Okay. Yep. Thank you, man. Have a good one. Later.